Well, let's look at Acts chapter 12 this morning. We started it last week. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. And again, Pastor Durrell is doing Romans verse by verse. So Acts chapter 12. Let's start in verse 1. Uh, we covered verses 1 through 5 last week, but let's get the context of our text. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, the religious Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered Peter to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now our text this morning. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison, and it struck Peter on the, and he struck Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise, quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to Peter, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed the angel, and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, this would be Jerusalem, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, Because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're crazy. You are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for that time of worship and praise. And we thank you for the baptism, Father, that public proclamation of a heart that's being transformed by your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you for the offerings that you allow us to give to you for the work of the ministry. 
And Father, we just want to continue in our worship of you with your word. Uh, We pray for our hearts to be soft, for our minds to be alert, that we might hear from heaven via your Holy Spirit through your word. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. Be glorified this morning in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Two other things that I forgot. Um, if you'd like to make a donation to the ultrasound that we talked about last week, you can still do that. We're going to present that this week to the organization. Uh, you can go onto our website. Best thing to do is under, um, not PayPal, Easy Tithe. Just put it under Easy Tithe or PayPal, whatever you want to do. But, but if you put it under PayPal, make sure you put a note in the box because you can't designate it. You know what? You can't designate an Easy Tithe either. I'm talking to myself out loud here. Whatever donation you make, if it's a check, obviously ultrasound, but if you make an electronic donation, please put something in the box stating that you did that. I don't see any of this, but stating that you did that, that way we can make sure that those funds go to the ultrasound machine. Otherwise, we won't know. Sorry. It's that simple. So if you do something electronic, put an additional note in the offering box, ultrasound machine, gave via PayPal, easy tithe, whatever, and that way we can account for that. Secondly... Again, I don't have a lot of details. I just got a very short two-sentence email this morning. If you lift up Pastor Skip Heinzik from uh, Calvary, Albuquerque, uh, he was admitted to the ER for uh, bleeding on the brain. And so other than that, I don't have any details. I don't know the seriousness of it. Um, that's all they sent out this morning. So not alarming anybody. and just encourage you to pray for him uh, that God would spare his life if that's what God wants to do, as we know, nobody misses their appointment. And just to comfort the flock and his wife, Lenya, uh, give them strength to go through what life pr- provides, right? This is what it's all about. Even as we look at this morning, circumstances. We're going to be looking at circumstances this morning. And you know, in our lives, circumstances come into our lives, and no one knows what a day holds, right? You just think it's going to be another day, and all of a sudden you've got to go to ER because you have bleeding on your brain. What? What's this all about? It's a circumstance. It's life. It's part of the curse. It's part of what we all have to go through. Everyone in this room is going to die sooner or later. Ten out of ten people still die. So the the point is, are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready to meet God? Do you have a personal relationship with God via Jesus Christ? If you do not, that's not a good option. There is a heaven. There is a hell. God sends no one to hell. God sent his son to save all of creation. For God so loved the world, John 3.16. He's not selective. Anyone can receive Jesus as their Savior, and he's reaching out to all of mankind. Guys, did you know in 2025 we're going to reach 8 billion people? Right now we're at 7.8 billion people. 2025 they're anticipating 8 billion people. God is reaching out to every single one of them. And so if you're here this morning, God loves you. I want you to know that. God loves you. He desires a relationship with you. And that relationship comes by having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that simple. It's not about joining a church per se. We do need the church. But circumstances come into our life. And so Peter has a circumstance that's come into his life. James has been beheaded, the first disciple to be beheaded, to be martyred for Christ. Peter's now been arrested. And so we'll pick it up in verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, so notice this, the trial date has been set. He was waiting for Passover, and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread immediately the next day starts for seven days. So we don't know how long Peter's been in prison, but we give us it at least gives us a context. Passover is past, leavened bread is past, so now we're going to bring him out. He set the trial date 
Whatever date that was, he set that trial date. And now the scriptures take us to the night before. And this is so important for you and I as we go through our circumstances. You know, many people say, well, the Bible's irrelevant. It's archaic. It has nothing for me. If that's the way you want to look at it, that's the way you can look at it. But if you look at a big picture, even this morning, we're seeing a detailed event that teaches us many, many things about our God and about a human being by the name of Peter. And so Peter's been arrested, and now it's time. He's, it's time, and we see that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And remember, four soldiers, two, he was chained to two. There were two outside the door. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. As I see Peter sleeping here, I, I think this is a different kind of sleep than what Peter experienced during the Lord's ministry. You'll remember when Peter, he was asleep, as well as James and John, on the Mount of Transfiguration in Israel. His body was tired, and he, as well as James and John, they, they had dozed off. And then there was that time in the garden when Peter, James, and John were with the Lord in his finding earth, earthly hours. And the Lord asked them, would you just pray with me for a while? He took those three aside. The other eight were, were in the garden as well, but he took Peter, James, and John aside. He went a little bit further with them, and then he stopped them and said, Hey, pray. Pray with me, would you? And then Jesus went further and prayed by himself. And Jesus came back, and what did he find? Peter, James, and John asleep. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I'm sure they didn't feel good about that at all. But I, I see this as being totally different. Totally different. I now see a man who is sleeping out of a spiritual peace of knowing that God is God and that God has a plan for his life. I think this is very important for all of us because this affects all of us. We all have issues in our lives. Every single one of us. Me included, that sometimes takes away sleep. And for me, I found the best thing in my life to do is, is to pray, obviously. But for me is to get up and read the Bible. That's where I get so much comfort and consolation. It might be the daily reading or the Psalms or the prayer, whatever, but I just start reading the Bible. I get in the lazy boy, get comfortable, say, okay, God, I can't sleep. I need your help. And sure enough, he puts me back to sleep. You gotta get your eyes off of the circumstance and get your eyes refocused back on heaven. Because we're all heading to heaven. And we're all going to continue to have circumstances happen in our lives. So how, can we, how do we get through those circumstances? By trusting in the one who has allowed the circumstance to even come into my life. Remember the enemy had to go before God to, to touch Job? I believe it's the same for all of us. The enemy doesn't have free reign over our lives. We're believers. Stronger is he who's in us than he who's in the world. He has no authority over our lives except for the authority we give to him. If we're in sin, then we are opening a box or a door of oppression. Not possession. A Christian cannot be possessed, but oppression. So just as Bible-believing Christians, as we're moving down the road, God is there and he has a plan for our lives. And Peter, I believe he's resting, thinking, you know, if it's death tomorrow, so be it. For that would be stepping into heaven. I'd be with James again. But I think Peter also remembered that the Lord had told him that he would live to be old. And it's been about 10 years since Pentecost. 
And as you do a little research, you find out that Peter was born, they believe, around 1 A.D. And so this would be roughly 41, 42 A.D., this time frame, if we got the numbers right. And so Peter is roughly in his early 40s at this point. So I see a man who has come to that place of trusting in God's ways and has the peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, just because we have worry or anxiety does not mean that we don't trust in God. Don't let the enemy do any of that nonsense to you. It does not mean that. It just means that God is desiring to mature us even more, to build our faith, that we would look to him, that we would pray and read his word and and memorize scriptures and meditate on those scriptures and, and keep living life. God, you have everything under control. I don't like this. I don't appreciate it. But you love me. And you've got a plan and a purpose behind all this. Let's look at Philippians 4. And these are verses that you're very familiar with. But we so often forget them. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Paul, who was obviously a contemporary of Peter, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. Be anxious for nothing. Now, do you think Peter had told Paul about his experience? Absolutely. They were friends. So Peter was able to share with Paul. That would have built up Paul's faith. So as we go through things, it's not just for us, it's for others around us to help build up their faith. Because Paul went through tremendous trials. So here in Philippians we read, be anxious for nothing. Well, how could that happen? Well, We are going to be anxious, but here's the answer. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Now, prayer is is very broad. Lord, bless the Sunday school. Provide the teachers. Supplication is very specific. Lord, bless so-and-so because they, my child's with them and they're going to need a lot of help. So you have broad prayer and then you have supplication. Very specific. Very specific. With thanksgiving. Notice that. Now, when we're in a trial or tribulation, what's the last thing that we do? Well, thanks, God, I really appreciate this. That doesn't naturally come to our minds, ever. But as you mature in the Lord, it should come to your mind more and more because you're realizing that what? God works all things together for the good. Does it say some things? Does it say a few things? All things. All things. So as we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts, we can have thanksgiving even during those rough times because we know what? He's going to work it out. Let your requests be made known to God. What is What is that? That's called prayer. That's called prayer time. You and God. Do we see this in the scriptures? We're going to get to it later on in our text, but let's bring it out right now. Jesus often spent time by himself praying. Well, he's God. Why would he have to pray? Because he took on frail human flesh. And even in the garden, don't we see him not once, not twice, but three times pray, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass by me, but not my will, your will be done. You see, we see his humanity And if Jesus needed to spend time in prayer, don't we? And shouldn't we? Jesus was going through a a circumstance. He knew tomorrow, I'm going to be crucified. 
Father, I I don't want to be separated from you. If there's any other way. But there's not. So your will be done. Because God works all things together. All things. And so as we make those requests known to God, notice what takes place. And again, you probably have these verses memorized, but do you apply them? Do I apply them? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, when you get that diagnosis or you get whatever it might be that you get, it it just passes. People look at you and go, what's your problem? Are you smoking marijuana? Are you drinking? What's your problem? How can you endure this? How can you be happy? How can you have joy? How can you have peace? And what is that? That's an opportunity for you to witness. Well, you know what? I'm I'm anxious. And I have concerns. Yeah, I'm a human. But I'm also a believer. I believe that Jesus died for me and that God's taking care of me and he's going to work it out. I don't know how, but he's going to work it out. And he's given me the peace. No, I don't need marijuana. I don't need drugs. I don't need alcohol. I just need God. And he gives me that peace that, that no one understands. Sometimes even, my, even I don't understand it, but I trust in it. That's the God we serve. And what happens? That God will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. God does it, guys. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Really bring it home. Because Peter's going through a circumstance. Tomorrow, the trial's been set. He knows tomorrow... Judgment is going to be passed. I mean, get this in your mind as we're going through this chapter. Where would you be if tomorrow you knew that you were going to stand before a man that could say, guilty, cut his head off? And there'd be no appeal. There'd be no 30 years. State government, you know, we're going to sponsor you and hopefully you'll get rehabilitated. No, now take him out and cut his head off. Peter knew that could happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is judgment day. I could die tomorrow. That's a very serious circumstance, isn't it? Peter says in chapter 5, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Notice humble, humility. You see, as, as Americans, as men, I'm not sure you women deal with this, but I think you do. We have this issue of pride. And we like to have things under control. My control, our control. And when things are out of control, how do we respond? That's when you really find out how deep your walk is with Jesus. You really find out how mature you are in the Lord. And yes, you're going to have to go through all those emotions. We all do. But it's going to be a very short period, a very short period. Very. Short. It's going to get shorter and shorter and shorter because, you know, God, you're doing something. I know you're doing something. So I'm kind of excited about what's going to come out of this. Because I know it's going to be good. Because your Bible says that. So we have to go to God with humility, knowing that that you have a plan. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Do you think Peter had learned this? Remember in the garden, he took out his sword. It was just in the daily reading this morning. He took out his sword. He was going to save Jesus. I'll save you. And I'll never deny you, by the way. And I'll save you. Fortunately, he only got the guy's ear and didn't hack his head off. But Jesus said what? Put your sword away, Peter. Peter was full of pride. I'll defend you. I'll never deny you. No, he's learned humility. Humility under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. 
Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So this is where you have to get some books and do a little bit of research. I'm not a Greek scholar. You can do this. But as you get the books and do a little bit of research, you find out that those words are not the same words. I mean, they're the same in English, but they don't have the same definition. Matter of fact, as you look it up in the Greek, casting all your care, that's anxiety. That's anxiety. What did Paul say? A contemporary of Peter? Be anxious for nothing. So that word care there is anxiety. It's through the idea of distraction. Through the idea of distraction. Was Peter distracted? He was sleeping. He was chained between two guards. He was like, if I'm going home, I'm going home. If not, then God has a plan. I'm fine. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a rest. He was sleeping. Upon him, for he cares. That word cares there, it means to be of interest, concern. Do you see how that works out? Casting all your anxieties, casting all your distractions, casting all of your circumstances upon him. For he is of interest of you. He is concerned about you. Back in Acts Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise, quickly! And his chains fell off his hands or his wrist. We see that the angel of the Lord comes to the aid of Peter and illuminates the prison cell. And as the angel is waking Peter up, he instructs Peter to rise up quickly. Now you've probably been in that situation where you've woken up, especially during the middle of the night, And you're typically maybe disorientated. You might even not realize, wait a minute, I'm in my bed in my own bedroom. But you're kind of like, where am I? You you get disorientated a little bit momentarily. And you're maybe not even sure what's going on. You heard a noise in the house that happens on a regular basis. But for some reason this night it really startled you. And you woke up, what's going on? There's somebody in the house. Oh no, it's just a hot water heater. The mind just goes crazy in those short seconds. You see, this is what's happening to Peter here. We've already read the whole account. Remember, he thinks it's a vision. He doesn't think this is happening. This is just a vision. Except the chains that held him bound fell off his wrist. Now, even with the glorious light and the noise of the chains falling off, the two soldiers that were chained to Peter and the two soldiers outside the immediate door slept right through it. How could that be? How could that be? Well, let's look at 1 Samuel 26, because you might be thinking, that's ridiculous. See, you Christians, you're so weird. 1 Samuel 26. And again, this is why you want to read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. 1 Samuel 26, verse 7. Saul was, David was being hunted by King Saul. It's getting towards the end of his hunt. David's going to be delivered by God. But on this second occasion, another occasion, David had an opportunity to kill Saul and he wouldn't do it. This is now the second occasion that David had an opportunity to to kill King Saul. So let's read that. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. The people are the army that Saul, King Saul, brought with him on the hunt for David. And there Saul, King Saul, lay sleeping within the camp. And his spear stuck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. 
Now therefore, please, let me strike him at once with the spear, right to the earth. I will not have to strike him a second time. What's he saying? David, I want to kill him. Let me do you a favor. Because Abishai has to run with David. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. Do not kill him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, now they're talking right with King Saul and the other people around him. They, King Saul would have been right in the middle of the camp. They walk into the camp. Nobody sees them or hears them. Now they're having a conversation and still nobody's seeing or hearing them. You want to, you want to make sure you understand that. As the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him or his day shall come to die natural death, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head and got away. Now they got to leave the camp and still nobody's seeing or hearing them. And no one saw or knew it or awoke. Why? For they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Back in Acts, a supernatural thing is taking place and it's called a miracle. If you don't believe in miracles, then you're not going to believe in the Bible. But I personally believe in miracles and this is what I believe is happening right here. So in verse 8, then the angel said to Peter, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to Peter, put on your garment and follow me. Now, I get this picture of when the kids were little and you were hanging out at a friend's house. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but it happened to us on several times. You know, it's time to go home. It's, it's 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, 1 in the morning. The kids have been asleep now for 2, 3, 4 hours, and you need to wake them up. And what do you have to do? You don't want to wake them fully up, because <laughs> that would be a disaster. But you wake them up, and typically what you have to do, you have to almost pick them up, they're real little, you pick them up, but I didn't pick up the older ones. And what do you do? You guide them. Where do you guide them to? The car. They don't know what's going on. They're mumbling. Their head's kind of wobbling all over the place. You get them in the car, you buckle up, you take them home, and you put them back to bed. This is the picture that I get with Peter and this angel here. Come on, Peter. Slip on your shoes and grab your jacket. We're out of here. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision. (laughs) Verse 10, when they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened of its own, opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from here. him. Here is the angel with Peter, moving right along and guiding him through the prison. Right past one group of guards, then past another group of guards. We see the gate of the city open by itself, a a little heavenly persuasion, I'm sure. Once Peter then was, once Peter was in that familiar territory, the angel departed back to the throne room of God. Can I verify this in the scriptures? Well, I got a couple passages for you. Matthew 18.10. Jesus says, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, Their angels always see the face of my Father who is heaven, who is in heaven. You've heard of the guardian angel and 
People mock that or you'll see the little things of an angel on one shoulder during a video and the devil on the other shoulder mocking and ridiculing Christianity. Well, how about Hebrews 1.14? Are they not, and Hebrews 1 and 2 is all about angels and Jesus being the Son of God, not an angel, which, by the way, if you're ministering to a Jehovah Witness, take them to Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 because they believe that Jesus is a, an angel. Okay, He's not an angel. He's the Son of God. Totally Eliminates that theory. Are they not all ministering spirits, these angels, sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? So was this a real angel? Absolutely. Was it Peter's guardian angel? I have no idea. Maybe it was. Who knows? But we know that this is real. And when Peter had come to himself, in other words, it's not, this is not a vision. This is reality. He said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Notice what Peter acknowledges here. That it was his great faith that set him free. You guys notice that? Oh, that wasn't it, was it? I guess he wasn't familiar with the faith movement at the time. It wasn't his great faith. It was a mighty angel sent by God to set him free. You see, people may have certain expectations about us or our lives, but it's more important to know what the Lord expects and follow through on his expectations. Let's look at Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. And why do I say that, expectations? Because unfortunately, even within Christianity, there are some that expect to direct God on what to do on this earth. And they will name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, confess it, possess it, not realizing they're not God. They are not God. I believe they're going to heaven, but they are not God. Let God rule and reign over our lives. Hebrews 13 says this, Let your conduct be without covetousness. So for you and I as believers, let our conduct, let our way of life be without covetousness. People often ask me, what is the will of God for my life? Well, here's one will of God for your life. Don't be covetous. Be content. Whoa, is that easy to do in America? Wait till the stock market crashes. You're going to see a bunch of content people, aren't you? Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you think Peter was remembering that during this time? It was coming back to him. So we may boldly say, and this is why I believe that Peter had a spiritual, supernatural peace and a supernatural rest. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Peter, what can man do to me? They take off my head. What can man do to me? They took John the Baptist's head off. They crucified my Savior. He rose. They just killed James. James is in heaven. What can they do to me? Worst thing, they send me to heaven. That's not a bad deal. Verse 12. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. So John Mark. We're introduced to John Mark. We'll cover him more in chapter 13. Where many were gathered together praying. Again, we've already noted this, but we want to make reference to it again. People were gathering together for prayer. It's, it's great to pray on your own, but I highly encourage you to come out to a prayer meeting. 
Be around other believers. Hear them pray. Maybe you don't feel comfortable praying. That's why you need to come to a prayer meeting so that you can get comfortable praying, so that you can hear other people praying. Oh, is that all it is, just talking? Oh, I thought it was something really... No, just come out. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. <laughs> when he she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. I, I just love this picture. It's real. Just These are real people. So Peter starts to knock, and it takes a while for someone to hear him. It's late, and those gathered, they're doing what? They're busy praying. They're earnestly desiring, get this picture again, Here's a bunch of Christians, the early church. They're earnestly desiring to see the hand of the Lord move mightily on the behalf of Peter. 1 Timothy 2.8 says this, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. Notice this, men and women, but specifically men, as Paul is writing Timothy, a pastor, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Let's break this down a little bit again. The word desire there, it means as a reaching forth, or excitement of the mind. And doubting, those two words in the Greek mean discussion, debating, questioning what is true. So when we go to prayer, we don't debate with God. We don't question whether you're going to take care of me or not. Because it says lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. God, I know you're going to take care of me. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know that you are going to take care of me. So as they're in praying... God, do a miracle. Save Peter. Peter's knocking on the door. And what are they doing? They're praying for the miracle, and the miracle's outside. But let's just keep praying. Because Rhoda hears the knocking. She goes to see who it is. It's Peter. Unbelievable. The guy we've been praying for is at our door. She's so excited that it was Peter that she didn't bother to open the door, but rather went in to tell others. And let's look at the church. Let's look at the faith of the early church. Verse 15. But they said to her, You're crazy. We're praying. We're Christians. We've got faith. You think it's Peter? You're crazy. God didn't answer our prayer. This is what they're saying. God didn't answer our prayer. You're crazy. You're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel. Totally blowing her off. It's his angel. Now, wouldn't for me, I would be like, well, if it's his angel, I'm still going out because I want to see what his angel looks like. But what did they do? They're so spiritual and so Christian, they just go back to praying. No, God can't do that. That's not Peter. That's just his angel. Would you go? Would you go do something else, Rhoda? You're really bothering us. We're trying to get through to God here. Now, Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. You see, answered prayer helps to build our faith. But if we're not spending time in prayer, it's hard for God to get through. So they were doing the right thing. They were in a prayer meeting. They were praying. But God was getting through, and they were ignoring the answer. And sometimes when we pray, God gives us the answer. And because it's not the answer we want, we ignore the answer. Oh, God didn't, doesn't hear prayer. God didn't answer my prayer. No, he answered a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, ten years ago. He answered you. You're just not willing to accept what he said. 
Because you know better than God. I know better than God. Well, no, that's not true, but unfortunately, that's what we believe. Now, but motioning to them with his hand, he kept to keep silent. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Notice, giving testimony about God. Not about his great faith. No, about God. And he said, go and tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. You see, Peter had to hush them down, tell them the story. This is building their faith, by the way, as well as building his faith. And he gave them some instructions. And what is very interesting here is that Peter makes reference to James, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, I was raised in a church that said Jesus didn't have any brothers or sisters because Jesus didn't, uh, Mary didn't have any physical relations with Joseph forever. Jesus was immaculately conceived and then Mary had no relationships whatsoever. But if you read your Bible, as I did when I was a Catholic and I was reading my Catholic Bible, I came across Mark uh, 6.3 and it lists four of Jesus' brothers by name. And it says that he had sisters. He don't, they don't list their names, but it's plural. So Jesus was the oldest of at least six other siblings. You'll find it in the scriptures. It's very, very important. You see, James is now considered one of the one of the main pillars of the early church. James the Apostle, we know, has been beheaded. This is James, the half-brother of our Lord. And if anyone had would have been picked to be the official leader of this new Christian church, it would have been James and not Peter. You see, Peter is going to fade into the background in Acts, and Saul is going to come to the forefront. We're going to see that now in chapter 13. And now from Peter's first epistle... We see that he probably ministered to the eastern and northern provinces of Asia or modern day Turkey. In 1 Peter 1 1, we read this Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Paul makes reference of Peter in his letter to the Galatians that he was with Paul in Antioch of Syria. Now, this is about 150 miles south of the area of Cappadocia. Paul also makes mention of Peter in his letter to the church at, at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 and 12, as well as 9, 5, which insinuates that Peter had visited the Corinthian church. So I bring this all up to ask you a question. So is Peter the head of the church, or what some would say, the first pope? Again, not bashing, ridiculing, mocking, just let's talk mature. No, not at all. Peter was a man, just like any other man, who needed a savior. And while the saints were earnestly praying, Peter was resting. That's the point. And how about you and I? During our times of trouble, do we find ourselves trusting and resting in the Lord? Very important question. During our times of trouble, do we find ourselves trusting and resting in the Lord? Are we at prayer meetings prior to... not the in case of emergency, break glass and pray to God. Are we at prayer meetings prior to or during trials and tribulations? You see, it's very personal for you and I. Peter is one of those real-life people going through a real-life situation or circumstance. And God met him where he was at and delivered him for God had more in store for him to do. So what can we glean from this story? Stay focused on God. Stay focused on Jesus and not on the circumstances of this life. Because as I mentioned earlier, circumstances come and go, but Jesus remains faithful day in and day out. So as we wrap it up, what are a few takeaways this morning? 
God knows what he's doing. Even when it appears that he doesn't. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I'm sure every single Christian, every single Bible-believing Christian in this, in this room this morning, we'd all raise our hands and say, yes, that is true. Okay, I didn't ask you if it was true or false. Let me ask you this. Do you really believe it? We know it's true. Do we really believe it? God knows what he's doing, even when it appears that he doesn't. That's where we have to get to in our Christian walk. Not just knowing the truth. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true about God. Do you really believe it? Do you believe it enough to put your hand, your, your life in his hand and say, God, I don't understand. I'm confused. I have anxiousness. I'm worrying. But I'm going to put it in your hands. Because you know what you're doing and I don't. I've learned to trust you. I've learned. So I'm just going to keep trusting you. And the church, second thing, the church was a praying entity. And guys, I just want to encourage you. This is what is lacking in, in every single church. Every single church that I've been a part of, the other pastors that I've talked to. The prayer meeting, the church prayer meeting in every church that I know of anyways has a church prayer meeting. And that is one of the least attended functions of every single church. Why? The enemy doesn't want you there. Because if you're there, there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Your eyes will be open. My eyes will be open. So let's distract them. Don't go to the church prayer meeting. That's useless. That's pointless. Don't, Don't do that. I want to encourage you guys. Get involved. Get involved. The church was praying. Were they praying for James? Yes, I believe they were praying for James. James went home to be with Jesus. Were they praying for Peter? Yes, we see it. They were praying for Peter. Peter was delivered. Was it because of their prayer meeting that Peter was delivered? No. But they were able to say, we were praying and we saw a miracle. And we didn't just see it. We heard it from the man who was delivered. Would Peter have been delivered if they weren't praying? Yes. But they got to partake of the blessing by seeing the end result of their praying. Guys, that's what prayer is all about. Is seeing God in action in our lives, in your life, and then giving him the glory and honor he so deserves. Because he's active every single day. He is active every single day, the Holy Spirit. But we often are too busy to acknowledge it. So let's settle down. Let's slow down. And let's start acknowledging. I encourage you this week. Start acknowledging the Holy Spirit. God, Holy Spirit, you just did something for me. Thank you. Man, I was really anxious and I prayed this morning. I supplicated this morning. God, you, you've, you've taken that away from me. Thank you, God. It's still there. The problem's still there. But you've just given me a peace and I don't get it. But this stuff actually works. And that's not going to be a part of your testimony. Because, guys, it does actually work. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. And we thank you and praise you that you are a God who hears. You're not too busy. I was raised in a church where you were too busy. We could pray to other saints because you were too busy. God, you're not too busy. And nothing is too small for you. Nothing. Your concern, as we just read about this morning, you are concerned about our lives. And you want us to draw close to you. You want us to press in. You want us to have that private time and to build our faith, 
to build our testimony that we might become more like your son each and every day. Father, I know all of us in this room, myself included as Christians, we, we don't want to be immature. We want to be more and more mature. And, and I say most of us are very mature. But we don't want to settle. We don't want to relax. We don't want to become complacent. We want our maturity to be stretched, to, to grow even more. So stretch us, Father. Grow us. Your will be done. Help us mature. It's all for your glory. It's all to testify about you. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You know, we have a few extra minutes as the saints are praying for souls. Maybe you're with us this morning. You have never asked Jesus to be your Savior. And you just heard a study. Not just a preaching, but an actual study. You've heard that there is a God. That there are angels. There is heaven. There is hell. And you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, you have people around you right now, saints around you that are praying for your soul. They don't know it's you, but they're praying. Because there's a spiritual battle even right now in the heavenlies. God is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, receive Jesus, and the enemy is there saying, no. Don't do it. So if you have that sense of the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, be obedient, be humble, and pray this simple prayer after me to receive Jesus as your Savior. God, I come to you right now I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. So I repent and I turn to you. I I turn from my sinful ways and I turn to you. A loving, gracious God. And I ask for forgiveness. I ask for your son Jesus to come into my life. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come into my life. I don't know exactly what that means. But I am going to trust that you are going to teach me. Through your word, through prayer, through other believers. You're going to teach me. And so I say thank you, God. Thank you for accepting me this day. And that I can now call you Father, Abba, Daddy. And I am now your son. I am now your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you and praise you for the free gift of salvation. And Father, we thank you that we can always come back to you if we've walked away, if we're backslidden. Father, we pray for those in this room that are maybe backslidden and they know who they are and they know what I'm saying. They can come back this morning. 
be intimately involved with the family once again, but even more importantly, be intimately involved with you again. You're granting them repentance to acknowledging of the truth, your word says. So bless them, Lord. Father, for the rest of us, we just pray for strength this week. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. You have ordained situations, circumstances this week for us to cross. We don't know yet, but we'll find out. And Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit that we be ready for those circumstances. We'd be available for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for coming out. Have a blessed week. If you'd like information on family camp, we're going to meet right over here to my left, your right, in about five minutes or so. So God bless you guys. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. sing it's one of my favorite verses of just about any song it gets me almost every time it says when i think that god his son not sparing sent him to die i scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin doesn't get any better than that thank you lord and when i think that God His Son our spirit sent Him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden badly bears